0: All right. Um, if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter five. As you're looking that up, though, I want to invite my friend Amir up onto the stage as we continue. Yeah, uh, lots of clapping today as we as we continue our good neighbor conversation. Um, we want to share some stories of of good neighboring with you. And as I alluded to a moment ago, Justin is going to come back next Sunday and. Um, share a little bit more of his story with you. And today we get to hear from uh, from Amir. Did you grab the microphone? Go go get one of those. Um. So Amir, we had the opportunity to baptize him uh, a couple months ago, and so some of us have heard his story already. And it's it's a story, friends. Um, uh he'll he'll share a little bit in just a moment but it is a story and and so we're going to hear just a little sliver of it today but um similar to Justin Amir is also happy to sit down with you and share more about some of his experiences um but I want to begin with with that story Amir how did you uh how did you discover the good news of Jesus
1: um so the the place that I come from is uh, so I, I was born in Iran, and uh, I used to have a very, very, very good friend. We have been in the same high school and also same neighborhood. And uh, as you said before, the, the story is actually pretty pretty detailed and long. But uh, I'm going to just, you know, explain as much as I can briefly. Um, so we went to the university, and we got acceptance at the same university, uh, we got so we've, we've always been like curious to learn as much as possible about other religions. Uh, also, the sources was kind of limited over there like YouTube, Facebook, everything is, is kind of censored over there. Um, so, we, we, I personally was really against from the things that they were trying to brainwash us. But uh, after entering university, there was a good opportunity to you know, meet some more people. Uh, we were also major enough. Uh, I mean, better than high school. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there, was, there was a good opportunity to have more conversations. Uh, so there was a public exam. I, I, I will never forget that. There was a public exam. And it was, it was really stressful to study for. Um, I personally, just, you know, I'm really sensitive to stress. Uh, so I remember that we, we, were stay, we were staying in library for the late, until late night. And I remember that one, one night I asked him that, okay, you, 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 you were not like this. Uh, it's been a while that something has changed in you. So
0: you are noticing this in your friend? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I felt like some values have changed in him, and I was—it was—it was obvious for me. I, I could see that, and he started to talk with me that yeah, I—I uh, recently had a conversation with one of my friends in my mother's family, and he shared some verses with me from the book of—he um, he said from the Bible, but uh, we started our topic. Uh, uh, the so we started our conversation with the topic of uh, the resurrection day itself is a proof is, is a proof, uh, and we continued with that uh, the amount of love that God has for us that uh, wore human clothes and uh, went on cross for us for our sin and. You know, um, we, we had a lot of discussions, and so one of the things that actually caught my eyes was our discussion about um, part, of, part of the Gospel of Luke, which says, love your enemy. Uh, it doesn't, not only God doesn't suggest you to fight with your enemy, but also it does say, love it, you know, um, the way that God suggests you to pay, to love people, not only your neighbor, your friends, just you know, just believing in humanity, you can see that in the in the in the in the book of um, God. You, you're not gonna just uh, understand the. You're gonna you're gonna learn the life, although these sentences are related to a long time ago, right? But people at this generation, are are learning some of them. Uh, So to me, it was just really, really beautiful. Uh, The way that God is against discrimination, the way that God suggests people to not force anything to each other, and the patience of God. Hmm. Um, Also, God says, uh, you're a prince in Christianity. You know, uh, it doesn't mean that you're higher than others, but it just you know y- your life may be even harder than others as a, as a Christian, which is in some of other countries.
0: So yeah. Uh, yeah. So when you when you read, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, as someone who is living in Iran, that probably means something a little bit differently than it might mean for us, right? Yeah. You, can you talk about that just for a minute? About the about the persecution in Iran, or just about how what does it mean to love your enemies as a Christian? Oh, so in a place like that, uh, there's a, there's a part in in the book of
1: Matthew which says uh, if someone is slap on your face, um, like turn your other yeah, side. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that you just have to stay and, you know, let them to do whatever they want. You, you have to be wise because God, God suggests you to be wise in your life and make wise decisions. It is good to reach highest places in the world because you're gonna it's going to help you to invite more people, right? Um, so to me, it was beautiful because I, I couldn't see any, uh, like, any... Angriness or act or being or suggesting people to like okay fight with each other, Mm. you know Uh, This this was catch my eyes or uh, one of the other things that that just came to my mind was uh, the story about Jesus that say that that was that was uh, Those people in that time were trying to persecute a woman uh, for adultery and uh, after they asked him uh, to what to do or what do you have? What's your advice? It says that um, This is your rules uh, But the only person who can do that who can draw the first one should be the f- the person who is uh, Clear of sins, right? Mm-hmm. Which there is no one <laughs> Yeah, we are, we are all sinners. You will just keep yourself. You, you're just different, but we are still sinners uh, yeah, that that's my belief actually, <laughs> you know, <laughs> overall uh, I don't believe in the sentence that says you don't have to have a reason for your love to someone or something. I feel like you have to have a reason for that because this is gonna be a reason itself for your commitment,
0: right? Uh, so yeah. Awesome. So I, I'll just, I'll fill in a couple of gaps here and then we'll, we'll move on to the, the next question. But So Amir meets, his friend meets Jesus and then his friend shares Jesus with him and together they begin exploring the Bible and the good news of Jesus and, and become disciples, right? Become followers of Jesus and a part of, of a sort of underground house church in Iran and there's like a whole bunch of wild stories that, that Amir can tell you about that experience. But then he comes to the United States, right? Has some family here in Woodland? Yes. Um, comes here to pursue education and uh finds discovery. And one of the things that I have really admired about Amir is that from day 1 when he got here, you you really had two questions. One was, can I be baptized by a real pastor? Which I was like, I don't I don't know that we have one of those, but um it, <laughs> Anyway, uh, his, his like, deep desire to be baptized uh, was one of the first things that stood out to me. And then the second one was, uh, how, how can I help? Like, How can I serve? How can I be involved? So I, w- I want you to, to share just a little bit about that. Why was that important to you? What does it mean, what does it mean to you uh, to serve and to be a good neighbor? Um, why was that so important to get involved in that way? So first of all, as
1: you mentioned before, um, after I came here, I got this opportunity to uh, to attend to an actual and physical church, mm. and see an actual pastor. Uh, <laughs> well, um, it was it was a very good feeling. Maybe most people have not experienced this in here, but um, it feels like you you have found your second home. Mm. You feel like you're belonging to to a place, right? Um, to my opinion, I feel like that this is a responsibility for all of us to help as much as help up as much as we could, uh, especially when help is needed. So, um, to to my opinion, uh, you should never forget to be thankful, because God never forgets to be good, mm. right? Um, so, yeah, I, I I would just say it feels good
0: man that that's a sermon right there that's good <laughs> um, Amir thank you for sharing again I would highly encourage you to um, ask some questions and, and hear more of his story because there's, there's just some great stuff um, that sort of fills that out i want to want to pray uh, for Amir so again join me in prayer um, and then we'll get into we'll get into a passage of scripture that you were just talking about. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for Amir, for his life, for the ways that you have broken into his story and revealed yourself to him, um, for the the ways in which your goodness has run after him. Thank you for bringing him here to to Davis and to Discovery and for the many ways over the last year that he's inspired all of us with uh, his commitment to follow Jesus, his uh, desire to grow, and his willingness to roll up his sleeves and get involved. Um, uh, we're grateful for him, and we just ask God a blessing over him in his, uh, in his endeavors as he continues to study and, and prepare for his career. Would you continue to use him to be good news in this place? Not just to us, but um, in his internships. And again, all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, give Amir a hand again. Thank you. Here, I got it. And again, we're in Matthew chapter five, and we're actually in uh, in this text that he was just referring to a moment ago. So Matthew chapter five, as we continue on in good neighbors, we're going to start at verse thirty-eight, and we're going to go through the end of the chapter where we read this: "You have heard it said." This is Jesus speaking. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor And then this this interesting sentence, (laughs) be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray one more time. God, we do ask that you would uh, speak to us today. We know that you are here and at work, and we're grateful for all that you are doing uh, in and through our community, in and through each of us individually. But right now, would you help us to pause and to slow down would you soften our hearts, tune us into your spirit, moving and speaking to us, God, and then give us the courage this morning to respond in whatever ways we need to respond. We pray this together. Amen. All right, so again, we're, uh, we're now in week four of our Good Neighbor conversation, looking at the theology and practice of neighboring, taking Jesus' command to love God and love others seriously. So a quick recap of where we've been in this conversation. Week one, we looked at love over fear, right? Good neighbors follow Jesus by receiving his love and then sharing that with other people. Even if that means facing some of our fears, right? Even if that means opening us, uh, ourselves up to rejection, to being misunderstood, we choose love over fear. Week two, truth over lies, Good neighbors follow Jesus by serving, right? We talked about how God is a servant. We're most like God when we serve. And some of the lies that we looked at is that this idea of good neighboring is for the spiritually elite, right? People who have it all together or have it all figured out, they get to good neighbor. The rest of us are kind of left out. That's a lie. Second lie is that it's all up to us to do everything, right? No, but because God is a servant, because God leads us in this... We are simply joining the work that he is already doing. Week three, this was last Sunday, we looked at empowerment over coercion, right? Good neighbors follow Jesus by empowering others, power in the kingdom of God given away, authority given away. Leadership is actually serving. Now, today we turn our attention to this idea of the cross over the sword. Good neighbors embrace the way of the cross. And a life of sacrificial blessing and blessing. We'll talk more about that. Why it's all capitalized here in a moment. So let's start off though by talking about the way of the cross. This this uh, text that we come to today in teachings. It's sometimes called the sermon. On the mount, and the way that Matthew tells the Jesus story is very interesting because he is speaking to a primarily Jewish audience. And in in first century Jewish culture, everything was about the law, the Torah, the first what are now the first five books of our Bible. And so Matthew builds his story of Jesus sort of around that idea. There's five big teachings that Jesus gives in the book of Matthew. They correspond with those five books of the Torah. And so this is the first one, the first time that Jesus does a big teaching in Matthew's telling of this story. And he opens his teaching with this statement, this is verse 17, connecting very much to the idea of the law and the Torah. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, this is an interesting thing that he says. It's widely debated what he actually means by this. I have not come to abolish but to fulfill. But what I want us to hear this morning is this. Jesus is not talking about whether or not the Old Testament is still valid for us today. What he is doing here is establishing his authority, establishing his voice And maybe more importantly and most foundationally, he is introducing people to a bigger vision for humanity. He is introducing people to his big vision for what it means to be a human being created in God's image. For the Jews, the Torah was everything. The Torah was life. And Jesus is saying, hey, guess what? Something even better than that is here now. Something even better is here now. He uses the technique. We see it a couple of times in our text today. You have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. Your vision for the kingdom life, for eternal life, for abundant life, for Zoe Ioneas. We've spent the last couple of weeks talking about this phrase. That's often translated eternal life. Your vision is too small. There's so much more. The good news is even better than you imagined. I want you to think of a pool. I've been uh, swimming as my primary form of uh, working out for the last year or so. And one thing that I have learned is that people really care about their lanes, <clears throat> I've had so many experiences where I get, I get in the pool, I'm starting my workout, I'm, a, I don't know, 100 yards into it, and you can feel a presence. And you get to the end of the lane, and you look up, and you see this person staring down at you, and what do they say? They say, uh, you're in my lane. And you're like, I, had, I didn't know, this is just the person at the desk told me to come here, and it's like, no, this is my lane. Right? People care about their lanes. I, I thought this was just like a Cranky Davis thing, but my wife, who's been swimming her entire life, is like, no, it's just like a swimmer thing. So kind of have to deal with it. We love our lanes, right? We love our lanes, and I think that what Jesus is doing, part of what Jesus is doing here, this bigger vision, is saying, hey, there's a whole pool. And you do not need to be stuck in this one lane. Come, come swim, come come see. You've heard it said that there's just this one lane, but I say to you, there's this whole pool. Come and see just how big this thing is. Jesus establishes this larger vision honestly by raising the bar on what it means to be a human being. We might look at the, the law and and some of the rules of the Old Testament as sort of like the minimum requirements. And a lot of what Jesus is doing is like, you heard it said that it was this, but actually like there's more to it than that, right? It's bigger than that. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, sort of unpacking this idea of, of what it means to be a Jesus-centered church. We've we've told you about this sort of Jesus-mission church format, right? That everything is kind of built on the foundation of Jesus, who then gives us a mission, who then organizes us into church. The fancy words here, Christology, mythology, ecclesiology. Sometimes we we have a Sometimes uh, in this paradigm where where we lean into who Jesus is and the mission that he gives us, sometimes there can be a pushback to that and that pushback I have found generally goes in two directions: one is that a jesus centered missional mindset means that like well mature Christians are not going to get taken care of because you got because we just care about the mission too much and then the second one is that that a jesus centered missional mindset means that we Lower the bar because we want to try to make it easier for people to experience the good news of Jesus. Which, by the way, is that actually a bad idea? Make it easier for people to experience the good news of Jesus? My pushback to that pushback, particularly the second one, is this. We're trying to follow Jesus who consistently raises the bar. Right, how, how does this passage end? Be perfect. That's a high bar. Last time I checked. Now we're going to unpack some of this here in, in just a moment. But Jesus consistently teaches that, that religion, that law, rules, doctrine, all of these things are good things to think about and talk about. But that's actually like, that's the low bar. That's the beginning point. And the high bar the the bigger vision for humanity is the kingdom of god the kingdom of right relationships we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago this idea it's a mouthful the unity of spiritual orientation right you cannot have one posture towards god and another towards people and this is the consistent teaching of Jesus that these go together that what religion tries to do is split this into different categories do the rules to please God and then if you have a little bit of extra left over be nice to people and what Jesus is saying is actually it's all it all goes together right these things are deeply connected you can't separate them out and, and this becomes very clear in our in our text today right Jesus says the easy thing to do is to stay in a holy huddle and love people who love you back. All right, anybody can do that. The hard thing is to get into the mess of the world and love the people that you find there. Amen. The way of Jesus, the way of the cross, the radical is actually the minimum standard. If you are looking for a low bar minimum requirement religion, Jesus was the wrong rabbi to pick. The radical minimum standard. Turn your cheek. Go the extra mile. Love your enemies. And again, it's especially powerful to to enter the story, I think, today through the eyes of a mirror because sometimes, like, Sometimes in America, it's like, love your enemies. Like, oh, my neighbor's dog pooped on the lawn and they didn't pick it up. Like, oh, I guess I'll have to love them too. And it's a very different thing, right, in other parts of the world. Right, we we can read that and hear that certain ways as 21st century Americans that a lot of other people in our world right now don't have that sort of experience, right, that sort of privilege. Love your enemies. Turn the cheek. Go the extra mile. Minimum standard. Now, I do think that there are a couple of misinterpretations of what Jesus is saying here. So, very quickly, let's address those. First, to go the extra mile, to love your enemies, does not mean being a doormat and letting people just walk all over you. Jesus is not advocating a boundaryless lifestyle where you constantly get taken advantage of. And then second, particularly as it, as it pertains to that idea of be perfect, he's not talking here about moral perfection. No, to be perfect in the kingdom of God is about living in right relationship. It is a relational statement. Again, I, uh, back to some of the things we talked about earlier, this is why Justin's story is so beautiful. To stay in the mess and the the pain and some of the difficulties to to move through healing and and uh, reconciliation of relationship that's the kingdom of God friends right that's the zoe Aeneas that Jesus is talking about here and then as as you know Amir said a moment ago, perfection also. It is this reminder that, like, we're never gonna get there? Right? Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect is not try harder, be better, do the rules better. It's trust the father. It's am I in right relationship with God? This is an invitation to live. And the kingdom of God, the kingdom of right relationships to the best of our ability. Now, that phrase, to the best of our ability, is important too. Because not everyone will want to go there with you. Which is why Jesus will also say, so yes, turn the other cheek, love your enemies, go the extra mile. But Jesus will also say later in Matthew, shake the dust. Like if someone doesn't want to deal with you, shake the dust and move on. Or in Matthew 18, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. There's Jesus quoting the Old Testament. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. The point here is simply to say, not everyone will meet us in this pursuit of right relationship. Going the extra mile is not about getting taken advantage of. Turning the other cheek is not about letting people just do whatever they want to do. But this posture that Jesus is describing in Matthew 5, the way of the cross, is about exposing evil. It is about exposing sin in a way that can potentially lead to reconciliation. Because what does it do? It absorbs the offense. It absorbs sin and evil and helps to end cycles of violence and abuse. It uncovers wrongdoing. And it creates a path towards this kingdom of right relationship. This is the power of nonviolent resistance. And we see this in, in, in our history, right? Whether you go all the way back to the Christian martyrs or the civil rights movement or Gandhi, or any, any other of these nonviolent movements. It's the way of the cross. Absorbing, I would go so far as to say it's the gospel, Opposing wrongdoing. I would go so far as to say it's the gospel. This is what Jesus does for us. Right? He goes to the cross. He absorbs our sin. And he overcomes our sin and and death through His resurrection. God made Him, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God absorbs our sin and death that we may be made right, that we may live. Now, again, we'll we'll talk about this more next Sunday when when we talk about forgiveness. But just to summarize some of these things together, not every broken relationship will be healed just because we try really hard or because we want it to. Not every evil can be undone in this lifetime. Not every injustice is righted by turning the other cheek or going the extra mile. But the way of the sword aims to wound. And the way of the cross aims to heal. The way of the sword leads to death. The way of the cross leads to resurrection. The way of the sword wants to cut things off and cut things out. And the way of the cross wants to put things back together. Are you with me? So men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. And with that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear this is, this is just some confession. Like, I don't find that funny. I don't know why. But like that scene always like makes me giggle a little bit. Like chop the ear off. Jesus heals him and, and it goes back on. Don't worry. Put your sword back in its place. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels, which is a lot of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? I'm going to the cross. My way is not the way of the sword. My kingdom is not about conquering. The way of the cross is better than the way... Of the sword. Now, I want to say, sort of uh, do some application here in two directions. One's internal, one's external. So, to the internal bit for just a moment, we've gone through a summer here at Discovery where there's been a lot of transition, some significant transitions. And when people leave and things shift, stories and narratives form. And what oftentimes happens in churches is the sword comes out. And sometimes you'll hear the pastor or or someone from stage say things like, ooh, we're under attack. This is spiritual warfare. Or another strategy is to make those who left the enemy and sort of rally the troops against them. Those are sword strategies. And what we have chosen to do in our, in our best effort, and I, I say best effort because we are imperfect people too. Right? But in our best effort to follow Jesus and the way of the cross and the kingdom of right relationships, we have chosen to not put people on blast in public. We have chosen to go the slow route of listening and having as many conversations as we need to have to let people ask their questions and process together and to engage with those who are willing in the the hard work of pursuing reconciliation and right relationship. Even, Even if it looks weak, Even if it looks slow, right, even if it's the harder, messier way to go, we believe this is the way of the cross. The way of the cross is the better way. So an internal word, right, it is the Jesus way. So an internal word, now an external word. Last week we introduced a resource called Apast. Terrible title, awesome resource. (laughs) This comes from Ephesians chapter 4 where the writer Paul talks about these uh, five gifts, five leadership gifts that the Spirit gives us that are all about equipping, right? Uh, Equipping us for maturity and works of service, right? Equipping us to be good neighbors. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds or pastors and teachers. Uh, some of you took us up on the offer and you said, hey, I want to I know more about that. I want to take that assessment. That offer is still open, still on the table. Send an email to me, uh, Steve at Discovery Davis, uh, Pastor Antonio. Um, we would be happy to walk through that with you if you want to know better uh, how to good neighbor through your gifting. Through the way that God has, has uniquely gifted you to participate in his mission. Now, today, a second resource that I want to share with you is a very simple tool. This comes from, actually, my friend Dave Ferguson. Um, It's a little cheesy, all right, but it's really helpful, I think, okay? And, And I want to share this through the lens of youth sports because this is just the world that I live in. But please, go ahead and apply it to your continental networks, wherever it is that God has you right now. All right, the S.W.O.R.D. approach to good neighboring is... Get a result. Get a result. To use my team analogy, I'm going to coach this team. You're going to come to church with me. We make a deal, and here we go. Right? This is sort of the consumeristic model and mindset that, quite frankly, does work in our our culture. But the upside-down kingdom of Jesus, this is turned on its head. This posture of turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, is about generosity, not coercion. It's about greatness through serving, not greatness through deal making. The way of the cross creates blessing, not perks. So, how can we practically bless the people that we are with? All right, we begin with prayer. So right away, Dave, kind of a stretch, okay? But meaning the B thing, right? Beginning with prayer is a very good idea. I want to be clear about that. We begin with prayer. Every team that my kids are on, we begin with this prayer of, God, why have you brought us to this team? For the next two, three, four, five, six months, we're going to be a part of this little community. Who is here? Uh, what are the families that are represented? Uh, what are you doing? We, we know you're already at work here. What, what are you doing, God, and how can we be sensitive to that and join you in that? We begin with prayer. All right, prayer is the foundational piece of all of this. The, the next piece, which is also a very important skill, is to listen. So we begin with prayer. We're we're in this conversation with God, but we're also paying attention to the people that we are with. Listening is a fundamentally others-oriented activity, right? Because we stop talking and we create this space for other people to share what's going on. We listen. And again, we pay attention. What are the stories? What are the concerns? What what are the things that that people are dealing with? Where might there be points of connection? Um, Sometimes this can be very cathartic because you're like, oh, your kid has a hard time getting ready for school too. This is beautiful. Right, but we listen. So we begin with prayer. We listen to what people are actually saying, and then we eat. This is my favorite part. My favorite part of Bless, we eat. Hey, Marina's summer softball team was amazing. I mean, we had like multiple meals a week together, and you know this—that when you share food with someone, uh, you you it, it changes the relationship, right? It, you bond in a new way. You move from small talk to big talk. I'm going to trademark that. Yeah, you move from, you know, just a little like, oh, how was your week? It was busy, blah, 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 to like, tell me about your job. Like, what's going on with that? How would you get into that? Where are you from? I really get to hear what's going on with people. And you really begin to share life with people. And it's from this. It's from prayer and listening, paying attention, and spending this quality time with people that you can then genuinely serve them. This is where, again, this is my context, but this is where you start to, like, pick people up from practice and give them a ride home. This is where you know, oh, they got sick, and so we're going to bring them soup this week. This is where you know, oh, I, like, I can start praying for, for that. Right, after you've spent that time praying, listening, being together, you can really begin to serve people in very practical ways. And then the last piece of this is you get to the point where you can share your story. Right? This is the good news of Jesus and how I've experienced it in my life. This is a mirror. right? Hey, friend, I noticed that there's some things that are different about you. What's going on? Tell me more about that. This is where you share your story. Not with the goal of transaction, with the goal of relationship. Because it's Jesus who saves people. Not us, but he does use us, right? And he uses our stories to be good news and to open, to open up conversations, to open up windows into people's soul. Uh, some time ago now, I got to um, spend some time with a woman who was a, a missionary, actually in, in Iraq, um, so an American woman doing cross-cultural uh, missions in a in a Muslim country. And one of the things that she said that I will never forget is she told me it takes a hundred cups of tea for her as an American to share the good news of Jesus with someone in that culture. That's how long it takes to build enough trust to be able to share the good news of Jesus with someone. I believe our, our our culture, our moment that we live in here in Davis is actually closer to 100 cups of tea than we realize. And so part of all of this, part of what it means to bless is to kind of think through what what does that look like? Maybe it's 25 cups of coffee. Maybe it's multiple seasons of softball. Maybe it's three straight quarters in the same class with that particular person. But it's going to take some time. Right? It's going to take some time. But that time is the cross, way of the cross. right? That time is the way of the cross. This is the posture that Jesus invites us into as we bless our friends, as we are good neighbors. As we go the extra mile, we bless, we invest in relationships, and we see what God does. And let me tell you. He is already doing stuff, and he's going to keep doing stuff. And when we participate in it, we will have some incredible stories. Now, As we get ready for communion, and the band comes back to lead us in a a couple of songs, um, I just want to read one passage of scripture, and then sort of leave some space for you to respond as we sing these songs together. We'll have our prayer team on on either side of the the theater here if you want to pray with anyone. I want to read this passage of Scripture and then just invite you to the table. And if you need to have a conversation with God about something, do that. If you need to pray about something with someone, we're here for you. If you just need to sit for a minute uh, and absorb some of this, do that. Whatever it is that you need to do today. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We read a little bit of it uh, before, but I want to provide more of the context. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you hear the unity of spiritual orientation there? Right. God reconciled Uh, us to him, and then he gives us this mission. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We come to the table to, to receive and to taste the good news of Jesus, what he has done for us, but we also leave this place as his ambassadors as good neighbors, as agents of blessing. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Here's the good news. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Father, we pray now as we come to the table that we would receive this good news, that we would hear this, internalize this, know this, in our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, may we individually and collectively as a church family be agents of blessing. Be good news in the teams, classes, workplaces, streets that you have us. And God, we trust that you are already at work. Give us the courage to join you in that work. And then may we tell the stories that we see of your kingdom breaking through in this place. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.